Yo, 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 good evening and happy Friday, everyone. Welcome to episode 90 of Sports Takes Galore. I'm your humble host, Gabe, and thank you again for listening. Another Football Fridays episode, as I will do a recap of last night's game between the Denver Broncos and the Cleveland Browns. I'll give you what I believe are the best games of week seven in the National Football League and give you what I believe are the best games in college football week eight coming up on the other side. Stay tuned. All right, now without further ado, let's get right into it. Well, you know I'm going to start my opening take, and that's in the NFL. I'm going to start off with last night's game between the Denver Broncos and the Cleveland Browns. Now, the Browns won this game, low-scoring affair, 17-14. The Browns came in this game with a, with a bunch of injuries to their key players. You had Baker Mayfield with the shoulder injury. They re-injured in last week's loss to the Arizona Cardinals. You had both running backs, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, dealing with calf injuries. And you had a couple of offensive linemen that were out. In comes in journeyman, backup quarterback, Case Keenum. As you may all know, Case Keenum had that one big year in 2017 with the Vikings where he threw the Minnesota Miracle to Stephon Diggs to propel the Minnesota Vikings over the Saints into the NFC Championship. And of course, they lost the NFC Championship and he was gone in the year after. But now he serves as the backup to Baker Mayfield and yesterday he came in and was 21 of 33, 199 yards and one touchdown. Third string um, running back, D. Ernest Johnson, had 22 carries, 146 yards, and one touchdown. I mean, he was basically unstoppable last night against that Denver Broncos defense. I mean, Odell Beckham Jr. only had two catches for 23 yards. Jarvis Landry came back from injury. He had five catches, 37 yards. Now for the Broncos, Teddy Bridgewater only had 187 yards, two touchdowns and a pick, and for the second week in a row, got nothing from their running game. And didn't get much from the passing game either. I mean, Cortland Sutherland had 68 yards receiving. And of course, um, Judy is still not back from injury. For the Broncos, they've lost four straight after starting up 3-0. Obviously, they weren't what we thought they were. But it seems like their problem is simple. They're getting off the slow starts and then having to battle back. I mean, they got off to a slow start last week. They got off to a slow start the week before that. And they got off to a slow start again this week. I mean, yeah, give them credit for battling back. But by then, it was too late. I don't know what's happened with Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, he was playing some really good football first three weeks, and now he's just been averaged the last four weeks. And the Denver defense, I mean, I get it. They've, they've suffered some injuries, but they haven't been this. They have not been the same defense for the first of the first three weeks. So I don't know what Vic Vangio needs to do, but he needs to straighten that out because they're gonna be falling fast. Because the Kansas City Chiefs 
They're not going to stay down long. The Raiders seem to have gotten their footing back. And of course, the LA Chargers are the best team in that division right now. So, if Vic Fangio doesn't get this thing straightened out, he could find himself on the hot seat. As for the Cleveland Browns, I mean, give them, give them credit. I mean, having all their star players out, and they were still able to pull out this victory. Now, of course, they got a mini-bye before they have to play the Steelers in Week 8. And, of course, the big question is going to be, is Baker Mayfield going to be ready? I mean, and of course, another question that's going to be asked is, this is a this is a this is a make a break year for him, as far as getting a contract extension. Will will the Cleveland Browns decide to pay him the big money, or will decide to just move on to something else, thinking he's not the long term answer? And of course, having this injury doesn't help, because of course, when the season's over. If, they, if he can last that long, he's going to have to have surgery. And of course, that's going to be factored into thinking on whether he's going to be the franchise quarterback going forward. Now let's move on to what I believe are the best games of week seven in the NFL. Now, I must say this first of all. The first six weeks, we've been spoiled as fans by all the great NFL actions. But it seems like week seven doesn't have a lot of standout games. So I want to go to go with just four games that I think are worth watching this week. I'm going to start off with the AFC North matchup between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Baltimore Ravens. Now, of course, when the schedule came out, who would have thought that we'd be talking about this game? But the Cincinnati Bengals seem to have gotten their footing, and they're 4-2, and they're one game behind the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, this is, this is a battle of the future of this division, the young guns, Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson. Now, you got to give kudos to the Cincinnati Bengals for having a top-10 defense. It's like... When's the last time we talked about Cincinnati and defense in the same sentence? But they're going to have to bring their A game against Lamar Jackson. And of course, for Lamar Jackson, he's got to have some help from from his running backs. I mean, that's the only way he's going to get those big runs for himself. And of course... He has to continue his maturation and beating teams from the pocket. Now for Baltimore, it's about sh- slowing down that combination of Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, that LSU um, combo. I think this game is going to start off a little slow. I think both these teams are going to be feeling each other out. And of course, it's a division game, so you know it's going to be tough. But I think in the end... Lamar Jackson will lead the the Ravens down the field with a game-winning drive and will propel the Ravens over the Bengals 26-20. Now another matchup here. The Kansas City Chiefs will go on the road 
versus the Tennessee Titans. Tennessee coming off a big win over Buffalo on Monday night. They seem to somewhat have found their footing. I mean, Derrick Henry is running like a boss. And he's proven he is the best running back in the NFL right now. So, he's going to be going up against a Chiefs defense that is very suspect. I mean, if the Chiefs are smart, their strategy is to be stack up 8-9 in the box and force Tannehill to beat you with A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. As for the um, Tennessee defense, I still don't trust it. Now, I give them credit. I mean, they came up with the big stop at the end of Monday night's game versus the Buffalo Bills. But his defense still cannot be trusted. And they're going up against Patrick Mahomes. Now, I get it. Patrick Mahomes has been struggling. I mean, so far, he has eight interceptions in six games. But he also has 18 touchdown passes as well. I mean, I believe because these both these defenses are suspect I think there's going to be a lot of points here so I'm going to go with the Chiefs and Patty Mahomes to pull this game out barely I think they're going to pull out by a field goal so I'm going to go with the Chiefs to win this game 33-30 now let's go to the Chicago Bears versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers what we got is the young gun, Justin Fields, the rookie, the future, versus the GOAT, Tom Brady. Now, it's going to be up to the Bears' defense to keep this game close. they got to be able to get pressure on Brady. Khalil Mack, I'm looking at you. The rest of the Bears' defense, I'm looking at all of you. You're going to have to get the Brady. You're going to have to disrupt his timing. And you got to be able to know where Mike Evans and Godwin are at all times. There's no Antonio Brown in this game, and there's no Gronk. And, of course, you got to be able to slow down Leonard Fournette as well. And for the Bears' offense, the receivers... Daryl Morday and Allen Robinson Jr., I'm calling you guys out. You guys need to have a big game in the receiving game and help out Justin Fields. And of course, the running game needs to help out Justin Fields. Because, I mean, this is a, a strong Tampa Bay defense. I think the Bears defense will keep it close for like a half. But I don't think the offense is good enough to put up enough points versus the Tampa Bay Bucks. So I look for Brady and company to make the adjustments in the second half. And I believe they will run away with this game late third, early fourth. So I'm going to go with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to win this game 31-16. Now I'm going to go on with the Sunday night game. And that's my Niners versus the Indianapolis Colts. Now, I know, looking at the records, you would think this ain't much of a game. 
But hear me out on this. Both teams need a victory. My Niners need a victory to stay in third place in the division because the Seahawks have dropped. And they're at the bottom of the division now. The Colts, they want to stay close to the Tennessee Titans for for the AFC South division. Now, the Colts come in this game all beat up. But that doesn't mean that they don't have a chance. I mean, Carson Wentz last year, I mean, gave my Niners fits when when he was the quarterback of the Eagles in that game last year. So... It's going to be up to the Niners to make sure they do not let him get out of the pocket and keep him in the pocket and able to get sacks. And Jonathan Taylor, I mean, he's an explosive back, so if he gets if he, if he gets going, it could be a long night. Then, of course, you got the defense, which they're suspect in the back four, but you got to block the front seven. And we all know the Forrest Buckner is going to be looking to wreak havoc. And of course, no, I haven't gotten over it. I know I have to, but I still haven't gotten over DeForest Buckner, not a Niner. Because I, I believe he should be. And of course, Darius Leonard, I would argue probably one of the top five linebackers in the NFL. I'd say definitely behind my guy, Fred Warner, and Bobby Wagner of Seattle. So you know those two are going to be looking to wreak havoc. So it's going to be up to the Niners to run the football effectively. So, Coach Shanahan, use the backs. You have Elijah Mitchell, Trey Sermon, and now you're going to get back to Michael Hasty. It's time to get back to establishing the running game. Now, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the starting quarterback this Sunday. Trey Lance is going to be out. Jimmy's going to need that running game. And also, another thing for Coach Shanahan, can we please get Brandon Ayuk the ball, son? I want to see eight and nine targets for Ayuk in this game. I'm not saying he has to catch them all, but I need to see him at least being targeted eight to nine times. Hopefully he'll catch all eight and all nine. And of course, we all know what Debo can do. Debo's been a He's been, he's been an excellent player this season. But I think this game is going to be close only because, of course, there's a, some rain in the forecast out there in Santa Clara. So I think that could interrupt the flow of the game. That's why the running games are going to be important. But I believe since, since the bye week, Niners will be able to get some players back, especially on defense. And I believe they're going to squeeze this one out. 27 to 21. Now, I said I said I was going to do four games, but I'll just give an extra five. I'll go with the Seahawks and the Saints. Now, this game could be very interesting because the Saints are looking to keep pace with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. If they can win this game, they'll be 4-2, and two, and it'll be a game behind the Bucks. The Seahawks, they're looking not to fall further while they're trying to hold water until Russell Wilson gets back. 
in about three to four weeks. So, but of course, the Seahawks defense is very suspect. I mean, I must say, Jamal Adams is not playing up to that contract. So, this is this is this is the this is the kind of game Jameis could have a big one. Now, Jameis's job is to make sure he doesn't turn the ball over. Because if he turns the ball over, the Seahawks will have a chance to pull this victory out. But the Saints defense is pretty good. So, and with Geno Smith at, as the quarterback, I would have to say they have a chance to disrupt him. Because let's let's look at it. Geno Smith has cost the Seahawks two games in a row. He cost them the he cost them the game against the Rams on that interception, and he cost them last week versus the Steelers, which propelled the Steelers to kick a game-winning field goal in overtime. So, if Geno Smith is not is not better, they're gonna fall to two and five. And you know what? I believe they're gonna fall to two and five. Because I don't trust their defense. I don't trust Geno Smith. I believe Jameis is going to throw for at least three touchdown passes. I believe Alan Kamara is going to have a big game against this defense. So I'm going to go with the New Orleans Saints to win this game. I'm going to go with 24 to 20. That will conclude this segment of the best games, I believe, of week six, seven in the NFL. Let's move on to college football. Now, this one was tough. I mean, this is a very weak week for college football. I mean, there ain't a lot of games, I believe, that stand out. So, I, I'll give you three games that I think will stand out. And no, none of them is, and one of them is not Alabama and Tennessee. I mean, I can't see that one being a game, but whatever. I'm going to start with Oregon versus UCLA. Chip Kelly plays his old team where he started, where he got notoriety with the Oregon Ducks. He's got a pretty good quarterback. And Darion Thomas Robinson, this guy has 13 touchdowns to two interceptions. And of course, he's got a, and as you know, with Chip Kelly offenses, and at least in college, that is. He's always had strong running games. I mean, they're running back. Zach Charbon Bonnet. I think I said that right. If I misspelled it, I'm sorry. He has 697 yards and seven touchdowns already. So it's going to be up to that Oregon defense led by Thibodeau and Noel Swole, Sowell to stop the, the, get this defense to stop this running game. Now, for the Oregon Ducks, I mean, Anthony Brown has to start playing better. And he needs to start playing better early. Because right now, he's not getting a lot of love from the Oregon faithful. I mean, last game, he got off to a slow start and he got booed. I mean, but kudos to his teammates for sticking up for him. So I'm going to say this game is going to be close. Because 
both of these defenses are not are, are, are very suspect. I mean, Oregon statistically might be a little bit better, but that's the thing with Chip Kelly um, teams. I mean, they can score at will, but they can't stop anybody. So I don't know if I trust Oregon in, in Oregon in this situation either because. They, usually with games like these where they're looking good they have a tendency to lose them I mean they'll they, they'll, they'll have um, some momentum and then they'll lose they'll, then they'll lose games like this I mean this is even when Chip Kelly was there so I think I'm gonna but in this case I think I'm gonna take Oregon to squeeze this one out at the very end and possibly a high-scoring affair. I'm going to say Oregon wins this game 37-34. to 34. Now let's go on to Clemson versus um, Pitt. Now, look, I know this is not Clemson's year, but let's not count them out quite yet as far as the ACC because they only got one loss in the, in the ACC. I mean, all they need is for teams in front of them, North Carolina State and Wake Forest, to start falling off. And Clemson might have a shot. But of course, North Carolina State needs to have two losses. And Clemson needs to win the rest of their games in the ACC in order to have a chance to play in the ACC championship game. Now, Pitt. Pitt's 5-1. and one. And it is now cracking the top 25. I mean, Kenny Pickin, this guy only has one interception to 21 touchdowns. But he's playing a very good Clemson defense. Now look, Clemson's offense is less to be desired this year. But the defense is playing championship ball. I mean, Brent Venables has got those guys playing like he always does. But... For DJ Akalari, he's going to have to have a big game against this um, Pitt Panthers defense. Now they, now the Pitt Pan, I mean the Pittsburgh Panthers, keep moving up the ladder and get to the tournament and win it. Will, will that help the ACC's case for a playoff? It'll be very interesting. But as far as this matchup goes. I'm thinking we're going to have the same type of um, upset that they had five years ago when Clemson, when Pittsburgh went into Clemson and upset Clemson. And this was when Deshaun Watson was a quarterback. I remember this game very well. So I believe Clemson is going to have that same type of moment this Saturday. So Pitt, it was, it was, it was, Enjoy your um, brief time in the top 25 because it comes to an end this week. So I'm going to go with Clemson because of their defense to pull this game off barely. Not by a lot, but barely. I'm going to go with 20 to 17. And my last game that I'm going to be talking about is going to be 
the Oklahoma State Cowboys versus Iowa State. Now, I gotta say, I was wrong about the um, Oklahoma State Cowboys. I mean, they pulled they pulled it off against um, Texas last week, and of course, a lot of it was their defense, but a lot of it was their their running back. Their running back, Jalen Warren. I mean, this guy had a big game last week versus Texas. He had 193 yards rushing. Now, of course, you can't trust the quarterback play still with Oregon State, with, with, with um, Oklahoma State, with Spencer Sanders. But of course, looking at um, Iowa State, their quarterback play is not much better. I mean, they can run the ball effectively, but as far as um the quarterback play, eh, not, not much to see there. Now, the funny thing about this is Iowa State, because they're at home, they're favored against Oklahoma State. I guess that means is they believe Oklahoma State is due for a letdown. And you know what? I think this time, I think Oregon State, I mean, Oklahoma State is not going to have a letdown. I actually think they're going to go in there and pull this one out. I think I think the I think I think the defense has shown that they can that that they can they can hold their own against top teams. And besides, who wouldn't want to see Oklahoma State and Oklahoma continue to win until they play Bethlehem at the end of the season? I mean, wouldn't that be awesome as a college football fan? And especially the state of Oklahoma would would love it. So I'm gonna go with or Oklahoma State to pull this one out. I think they'll win this game 31 to 27. And now I'll conclude this segment on the best games of week eight in college football. And that will also conclude episode 90 of Sports Takes Galore. I'm your humble host, Gabe. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it. You can follow this podcast by going to Spotify, going to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts from. You can follow me on Twitter at ggsports13 and follow my Facebook page at Sports Takes Galore with Gabe. I'd like to thank you again for listening. Thank you again for downloading. Have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy all the sports, and we'll talk again next Tuesday. Bye-bye.